Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Hey listeners, we have another great show in store for you. Today's guest is an exceptional, brilliant woman who have dedicated over 10 years of her life training thousands of people across different industries and walks of life live their best life using her unique experience with various self-discovery techniques she decided to create bw cultivates a platform helping women of color identify address overcome barriers which has hindered them from their personal growth elevated voices podcast would like to give a warm welcome to Brittany ward for joining the show hey Brittany, how are you Hey, y'all. Hey, I am doing good. I am blessed. I'm highly favored. I cannot complain. I'm just glad to be here today. Well, Brittany, I am honored to have you here with me as well. I just want to say that I love what you're doing and all of the passion that you are showing for us women of color. We need it. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's, that's real. We definitely do. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into what I do. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about that at some point. But, you know, I think that as women of color, there's a lot of different resources out there. And sometimes they're hard to navigate. So, um, you know, I really wanted to create not only a platform that can connect women to resources that they needed, but also a safe space to have real discussions about real things with real people. Right. How many platforms out there that, hey, me as a black woman, yes, I can go there. I can say what I need to say without anybody getting offended, without anybody labeling me as, oh, you know, she's an angry black woman. Look at her. You know, I want to be able to let my hair down and talk about the day to day things that society tells me. I can't talk about without labeling me as being an angry Black woman. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, you're right. I can count on probably one hand the platforms that are out there that exist for us as Black women. And, you know, there are some really, really great platforms out there like, you know, Black Girls Can Heal, um, Black Girls Heal, Therapy for Black Girls. Um, So shout out to them because there are a few that exist, but they are really big. Um, And I think that the nice part about smaller platforms and smaller avenues like this is that you get the opportunity to get that more one-on-one touch, that more personalized feel. Um, You know, when it comes to BWC, I really wanted to create a safe space, but I also wanted to focus on what it looks like when you come out on the other side of the personal development and the self-work. And let's not get it twisted. The work never ends, right? So I want to make sure we're clear about that. Like you're constantly working on yourself. You're constantly developing who you are for the next phase of your life. And you're constantly working on how you navigate through the different challenges and general generational curses and life experiences that have come your way. But I think that being focused on 
the goal, being focused on what you can look like as you make progress, opposed to the pain, the stress, uh, the feelings that you deal with as you're going through has been been a godsend for me and really helped me navigate, you know, my personal trauma and my personal issues. So I wanted to be able to create that same type of experience for other women. Exactly. I know you mentioned your personal traumas. I just want to share some things that took place in my life. In high school, a teacher told me, now this is an educator. This is someone who was supposed to instill hope, root for you, encourage you, empower you, right? She said to me, you will never be anything more than a baby maker. And I looked at her and I said, one, what gives you the audacity to look at me that way? And two, you have no idea what it took for me to get here today. But not only that, the goals that I have for myself and what I want to do with my life. If I didn't have a strong support system, those words could have ruined my entire life. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And so I was dealing with that. And when I got to college, it was some discrimination there. It was like, you are not allowed to express who you are as an individual. I mean, to be honest with you, you really don't have an identity. (laughs) Let's let's just be honest and put it out there. You don't have an identity. No, you cannot express yourself. No, we do not want to hear you. You know, me facing that challenge, you know, in college, in grad school, up into my adult life, that's hard. And I'm like, you know, how can I, as a Black woman, not overreact to what is being said to me, but how can I be proactive in being able to use my voice in order to be heard? Because Mm -hmm. there were various points in my life where I felt invisible. Yeah, talk about it. So when you have something as great and phenomenal like BWC, again, listeners, BW Cultivate. So you will hear us use that acronym. I'm like, man, we don't get this opportunity to have a platform like such. Absolutely. First of all, thank you for sharing your story um, because there are so many women like you that I've encountered. Um, I've experienced it in friendships. I've experienced it in passing who have had narratives placed on them by other people who were dealing with their own traumas and their own insecurities. So I applaud you for being open and honest and vulnerable and sharing your story because a lot of times we don't do that. And that to me is one of the steps in the process, right? It's being able to talk about your experience and being able to share what you've been through. My story was a little bit different, but I think there are some similarities between us in that I too had narratives placed on me. Some of them I adopted for myself and some of them came from other people. But I think the key to managing the way you see yourself is understanding the narrative that you place on yourself, that other people place on you and understanding that you have full control over what that looks like. I am a victim of sexual abuse. Um, So I was molested as a child. 
I grew up in a household that had domestic violence. Um, my mother was in a relationship with a man who beat her, physically beat her to the point where he actually threw a nightstand table at her and bust her head open. Um, and I saw all these things growing up as a child. Um, you know, I experienced that. I struggled in school because of those things, right? I struggled to make friends because of those things. And, you know, fast forward a few years later, my mom passed away when I was 11 years old. Um, I never knew who my father was. So by all senses of the word, right? Um, I went through some things at a very, very young age, but I am so thankful for my grandmother because as challenging of a adolescent as I was, she really helped keep me on the right path and helped me to the best of her ability deal with some of the things that I experienced as a child. You know, I didn't even realize how much some of those experiences affected me into adulthood until I started lashing out. You know, I started having challenges in relationships, challenges in friendships, and I knew that the challenges that I was having were a problem, right? But I didn't understand at the time what the root of that problem was. And girl, when I tell you I did everything to try to fix it, I mean, I've been to therapy three times. I 100% value therapy. Like I think it's important for every person to have a therapist. Even if you feel like you're in a good place, it's important to have a therapist. But I think the key to therapy working for a person is being open to therapy. And the first few times that I went, I was not ready to be vulnerable. I was not ready to tell my story. And it impacted the progress that I was able to make. And you know, as I continued on through my journey with therapy and as I continued on through some of the self-development programs that I went through, I really started to see a breakthrough. And that breakthrough came from one, me being willing to start the process, right? right. Um, it also came from me accepting my role in the process. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean me, me, me taking fault for the things that I had experienced, but me understanding that even though I had experienced those things, I didn't have to live in my past experiences. I had the ability to change the way that I saw myself, change the way that I saw people, and then really commit to doing the work and commit to being better, commit to doing better, commit to showing myself grace when I stumble and fall, and commit to continue trying to be the best version of myself. And that's what BW Cultivates is really about. It's about committing to do the work. It's about using the resources that are available to you. And it's about giving yourself grace when you don't look like that image of perfection that you have in your own head. So, yeah, I mean, I think that we have definitely had some similar experiences. And I think that we've definitely done the work and gone through, um, you know, the process of healing um, and gone through the process of self-improvement that we needed to go through in order to make things better. Thank you so much, Brittany, for sharing that. You touched on so many great aspects. Number one is being vulnerable. That is really hard to do for anybody, okay, for anybody. But I feel that it's harder for us women of color to do that because, again, even from birth, <laughs> we're not shown that it's okay to be that way. 
it's okay to express how you feel. It's okay to show emotions because we walk around, we have that S on our chest. We are trying so hard to do so many things, especially running a household, especially if we are single mother. You know, I am soccer mom. I'm trying to be dad because dad may not be there. I'm trying to literally be a village and raise a child or children if you have more than one. And so we don't get that opportunity to be vulnerable. And some of us, to be honest, don't know what that looks like. And so we take our experiences that we have growing up and you know what? Yes, they do bleed into our adult relationships because we do not learn or we do not know another way, a better way, a healthy way. And so, yeah. And so when you have someone in your life as you are growing and that person is not showing and investing in you as an individual, how can you in return use all of those wonderful skills and live your best life? You can't because you don't have them. Similar to you, Brittany, I have so many women come into my office sit on my therapy couch. And like most women, they have so many different secrets and it cuts so deep and the trauma is there. And so it's like, you know, I want to tell you, but the last probably therapist that I had, you know, they broke confidentiality. I didn't feel that bond with them. You know, it it just wasn't there. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little nervous. Right. And then you have the other side of that where someone, this is their first time coming into therapy. And they like, look, I heard about what therapy is all about. And you trying to put me on this medication. I'm not doing that. I'm not crazy. You know, therapy is only for crazy people. You know, the stigma. Yeah. And it's like, you know, no, it's not about that. Let me tap into your mind, body, and soul in therapy. You know, let's, let's focus on you as a whole person. And like you said, let's get down deep into why you are really here and what that looks like. And let me help you, you know, let me help you, but it's hard. We get stuck in those cycles of, I'm not worthy. You know, I deserve this. It was my fault. Only if I could have, I should have been better. And we have all of those. And I use the the phrase stuck points in our mind or stuck thoughts in our mind. And we live with that. And that then become us. You know, that becomes our identity. Absolutely. Girl, you are in my business right now. All of what you just said was me. Um, when I first started, right? Um, you know, sometimes it is still me and self-awareness is key, right? Um, you know, you need to be able to navigate your way out of that by replacing those negative thoughts, right? That negative self-talk, that negative monologue with more positive thoughts. But something that you hit on um, that really spoke to me was how we bottle things up. I spent a lot of time bottling things up 
um, and not talking about my experience. And for the folks that are listening today, especially the women that are listening today, um, I really want you to know that there is freedom in your testimony. Um, and what I mean by that is I had placed so much weight on myself, not only uh, the weight of the trauma that I experienced, but the added weight that I was placing on myself by holding it in and beating myself up about it. Nobody beats us up more than we beat ourselves right. up, okay? Right. Especially when it comes to the way we think and the things we say to ourselves and how we talk to ourselves. And where the vulnerability becomes of value to us is the minute that we start talking about what we've been through. The minute that we start sharing our stories, it does two things. One, it releases the weight off of us, right? All of these things that we've been holding in all this time, over time, seem to have less of power over us, right? right. Um, so sharing your testimony strips away the power that you've been giving the trauma. But what it also does is there's somebody else out there who's been through the same thing as what you've been through. Yes. And hearing from you that they've had a similar experience enables them to step back and say, oh, wow, I'm not alone. I'm not the only person who has experienced domestic violence. I'm not the only person who has experienced somebody speaking negatively about me um, and it impacting the way that I view myself. I'm not the only person who's ever had someone tell me that I'm not going to amount to much. And the minute that I become aware of it is the minute that I can start to change it. So I love, love, love that, you know, you talked about some of those things because as Black women, man, I even saw it in my grandmother. We are so scared and so fearful to talk about our experiences because somebody somewhere has told us we got to be strong, right? Right. Um, you know, I remember growing up, I don't think I saw my grandmother cry maybe until I was a teenager. Um a borderline teenager, because she did cry when my mom passed away. And I think I might have seen her cry one or two other times, but my grandmother was probably one of the strongest people that I knew. I never knew that we had bill problems because she never showed it. I never knew when she was struggling with the relationships with other people in her life because she never showed it, even right down to her passing. I didn't know until a month and a half before she passed that she had stage four cancer because she didn't tell anybody. And while that is a testament of her strength, it is also a testament of what she must have been dealing with and what must have been weighing on her. Because I can't imagine being at the end of my life and not being able to tell my family, hey, let's spend time together. Let's be together as much as we possibly can because I don't have that much time left. That's something that she shouldered on her own and by herself. Right. Not only can I not imagine what that feels like, but that's not a position that I ever want to be in. It's not a position that I ever want my future daughter to have to be in, right? Um, you know, we talk about generational curses and a lot of the things that we are carrying are burdens that have come from those who have come before us. Um, you talked about the stigma around mental health in the Black community. Well, if my mother wasn't willing to deal with it, if her mother wasn't willing to deal with it, if her mother wasn't willing to deal with it, then what happens? The cycle continues. 
So, you know, part of sharing your story and being vulnerable is not even just sometimes about helping yourself, but it's about helping yourself and helping those to come, right? You know, you've got to step back and ask yourself, in my decision or indecision to keep silent, how is that impacting me, but also how is it impacting those around me? Um, And that was a thought process that I had to go through, you know, and I think many of us as Black women need to go through if if you're not going to be better for yourself, be better for the next generation. That's how I look at it. Exactly. And fear motivates us to do the unspeakable. Yeah. I'm not going to tell because I have to keep this persona, whatever that persona may be. And I don't want people talking about me, Yeah. my situation. Yeah. I don't want people looking at me differently. And I don't want people to ask so many questions. And so one of the things is crazy because my mom and I, we had this conversation a few days ago and my aunt was going through a difficult time. And she said to me, why didn't she tell anybody? And I said, well, can you blame her? Because if she would have told, depending on who she told, it would have spread like wildfire through the family Mm. and not the good stuff, you know, let's be honest. Okay. But, you know, so many people would have had so many questions. Well, what happened? Well, how did it happen? Well, how long did it happen? Mm. I don't want to answer all of that. Absolutely. So I told my mom, I said, when I call her, I'm not asking questions. The only thing that I'm asking her is what can I do for you? What do you need for me? What can I help you with? Mm. Because she's getting thousands of thousands of questions for everybody else. Yeah. She don't need that from me. Absolutely. But I think it's a little deeper than, you know, the stigma, the fear. It's people don't know what to do with what they don't know what to do with. Absolutely. And I think to add to that, to go a level deeper, because fear is a funny thing right? Um, and you you hit on this. It's, it's the fear of what other people think, right? But it's the shame that comes from other people speaking negatively about you. It's the shame that comes from other people's judgments and other people's opinions. And, you know, I think that that's something that we don't always think about. Even when I, when I look back at like my upbringing and the gossip and the family, right? In that moment, to your point, that person needs your grace. They need your support. They need your love. They need just your thoughtfulness. Um, They need your humanity, right? Um, You know, I was just sharing with a friend of mine yesterday that I learned some information about, you know, my grandfather and my grandmother. And, you know, 10 years ago, if I had learned that information, I would have been immediately judgmental. But now, it reminded me of their humanity. Um, And I think that that's something we don't take into account, right? I think we are so busy judging one another and trying to make sense of other people's experiences and trying to place them in a box that we forget what it feels like to go through those things. We forget what it feels like to have that experience. Your experience may not look exactly like mine, but you know what it looks like to feel pain. Your experience may not look exactly like mine, but you know what it looks like to feel shame, to feel guilt, to feel less than. Like 
it's tapping into those types of things, especially as Black women, because I feel like sometimes we are the most brutal to one another. Sometimes you just need your sister to uplift you and to uphold you. And even if that means just saying, what can I do for you? Or even if that means you see me down and you see me cry, but you just come over to me and hug me and you just come over to me and hold me. In that moment, compassion is the biggest thing and the best thing that I think you can give to anybody. So, you know, it's interesting to even be having this conversation with you because I used to think that I was by myself. And I used to think that my experiences were so specific to me. And over time, after I started sharing, after I started talking, after I started you know, building community with other Black and Brown women, I realized that there are so many similar instances of my story, of your story, of her story, right? You know what I mean? Of my grandmother's story, of your mother's story, of your aunt's story. And I think if we put as much effort into coming together and supporting each other through our trauma um, and through our challenges, as we do sometimes in passing judgment, passing off blame, I think that we would start healing as a community. You know what I mean? We talk about self-healing, but healing as a community and as a people, that, that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother podcast. Right, right. It's true. And instead of passing the judgment, just saying, hey, you know what? I, I don't know how to help. So can you tell me what you need? Yeah. That is, for some people, one of the most hardest things to do because it's almost like you are admitting a failure because I don't know how. And for the longest, again, going back to you know society, going back to being at school, going back to being on the job, it's like, what happens when you as a Black woman don't know? How do you get scrutinized? How do you get that finger pointed at you? And so again, our home life is one thing that defines us. Yeah. Our work life defines us. Our relationships defines us. Mm-hmm. And then we define us. Absolutely. And it's so tiring and exhausting because we are limiting ourselves and putting ourselves in that box. So I tell people all the time, anybody who know me, I got in so much trouble at work. I don't want to be in that box. Yeah. I am unique. I am creative. Yeah. You know, I have a voice. I have a story. Nobody is going to write it for me. Absolutely. So this is who I am. I'm going to share another story. <laughs> I was at work. And again, this is me being a full clinician hard work and dedication that I have put into the job that I love so much. One week on the job, I was still in training. One week on the job, my supervisor pulled me in her office and she said to me, we have received so many complaints about you. And, you know, I have a list of things that I need you to do. You know, people say that you're not friendly. You know, it's just so many different things that, you know, I'm hearing. And it's concerning to me because out of all the 11 years that I have been a supervisor, you are the first person as a newbie coming in that I'm hearing such bad things about. 
So she gave me this whole list of things to do, like smile, say hello. I'm like, that's first of all, that is common sense. That's just manners. Okay. But you giving me this list. Okay, fine. We're going to roll with it. Mm -hmm. So I look at the list and yeah, my eyes get the rolling because I'm like, are you serious right now? Yeah. Am I not a human being? Right. So, all right, fine. So I take the list, Mm -hmm. I ball the list up and I throw the list away after I left her office. Okay. Not while I was in her office, after I left the office and literally one month later, one month later, she called me back in her office and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting such, you know, great reviews and, you know, people love working with you. You know, you really, you know, took my list and you really did wonders with that list. And I said, well, you know, can we be honest? Can I be frank with you? She was like, yeah, sure. Right. I said, I didn't do anything on that list. She was like, what? I was like, no. I said, I took your list and I threw it in the trash. And I said, what people was doing, my coworkers, they were judging me without getting to know me. They wanted me to fit into their box. Absolutely. And I didn't want to fit into that box. Yeah. They wanted me to follow their lead. I didn't want to do that because I'm my own person. Mm. And so she looked at me and she was like, wow. And I told her, I said, my passion for what I do is phenomenal. Some people are intimidated. Some people are afraid. Mm. Some people can see the talent that you have. And that means that's competition for them. But I wasn't trying to compete with anybody. I just wanted to do my job. And so she took that and I was there and I literally excelled because the individuals who said whatever they said about me, they left. You know, the individuals who had a problem with who I was as a a person, they left. But I was still there continuing pushing forward and being consistent. This is who I am. You know, it's really hard facing issues and stigma at work. Yeah. Coming back home dealing with issues, mm-hmm. being in the community dealing with issues. Absolutely. And it's like, really? <laughs> I just feel like giving up. You know, I'm I'm stressed, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. And not to mention if I have other underlining traumas that I suffered as a child growing mm-hmm. up into my adulthood, I don't have no one to talk to yeah. who I can truly trust, mm-hmm. who can give me valuable information because I can talk to anybody, but someone who, like you said, a sister who, hey, hey girl, I'm here for you. What you need? And that is, you know, few far in between. I have two best friends that I met in in high school Mm -hmm. and I tell people to this day, they say, well, how long you guys been friends? I said, we've been friends for 18 years. And they was like, that's unheard of. And I said, you know, I get them, they get me. I won't judge because I can't, you know, because we all have stuff. And I want to be able, just like you, Brittany, to tap that sister on the shoulder, hold out my hand. And say, Black, beautiful sister, I got you. Absolutely. It's so funny how similar we are because um, my best friend, we've been friends for 26 years. Um, Shout out Maya, if you're listening. You know, I think a lot of times people expect that the relationship, even within your friendships, is supposed to be without rocks, right? It's, It's supposed to be easy, but 
we have gone through so much in that 26, almost 27 years, but she is probably the person that I have learned the most about myself with just because of the nature of who she is as a woman and as a Black woman. Um, She's Afro-Latina, but also just her character and who she is. Um, You know, she doesn't judge. She's supportive. She's going to tell me if I'm wrong, um, which sometimes you need, but she's also going to lift me up. And I think that that's something that has been extremely valuable for me um, over the years. Um, have we had our ups and our downs? Absolutely. What what relationship doesn't? But I think the way that we pivot and we grow and we support each other as we come out of those things is what has been truly impactful. I would like to double back on something that you said um, because it really stirred my spirit. Um, when you were going through that situation at work, you said, I'm not going to let you put me in a box because I know who I am, right? And I'm not going to deviate from that. And I love that because of the element of self-awareness that comes with that, right? So many of us don't know who we are outside of the roles that we play in our lives. Um, You know, I'm not going to get into a deep discussion about intersectionality, but that's actually one of the exercises that I make my participants go through. It's who are you outside of the roles you play in your life? If somebody were to come to you today and say, who are you? You'd probably say, well, I'm a mom. You know, I'm, you might say I'm a clinician. You know, I might say, you know, I uh, am a senior manager at a corporate company, but that's not who we are. That's what we do. Right. Yes. Um, And so many of us don't know who we are outside of those roles, which is why it is so challenging for us to navigate these spaces that we're in. Right. Because if you're at work, okay, well, you strip away work. Then you come home, you're a mom. Okay, you strip away mom. Um, You know, maybe you've got other roles you play in your life. You strip those things away. What's left for you? Right. Um, You know, I think sometimes we ask, well, what about me? But we don't actually dive into that. You know what I mean? We don't actually explore that. We don't actually say, okay, well, what am I doing for me? What is it that makes me who I am? Um, You know, am I able to say I'm someone who loves and cares for others deeply? That's who you are. Right. Not what you do. Um, So part of what we try to do is encourage women to explore that, especially for black and brown women, because on top of the roles you play in your life, right? You're fighting with the, well, I don't want to be seen as the angry black woman, or, you know, I don't want to be seen as the woman who does nothing but work um, and maybe is not feminine enough because that's something that I struggled with. You know, there's all these things that we're constantly battling and combating and trying not to be that at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it leaves us no room to define who we actually are. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is an element that drives the conversation around self-esteem. It's the element that drives the conversation around self-worth. It's the element that drives the conversation around confidence. It's the element that drives the conversation around how we manage our insecurities if you don't know who you are, baby, you are well behind the curve. Um, so, you know, I, I think it is so important for, and I'm even going through this right now in my own life, exploring who you are outside of those things. Like, just what do I like? 
you know, what is it that drives me? What is it that fuels me? You know, growing up, I used to run outside with the boys. I'm in the park flipping off swings, flipping off trees, in the pond. And it's part of the reason why I like being outdoors and I like hiking now. Ask me the last time I went. Because I've been so wrapped up in everything else I have to do that I haven't taken time for me. So, you know, as part of my self-discovery journey and where I am in this phase, I am trying to figure out what it looks like to come back to me, what it looks like to re-explore those things that I once loved. And I think that is extremely, extremely important for women in general, but especially for women of color, because we are walking around with the weight of the world on our shoulders a lot of the time. And when you are that heavy and you are that weighed down, the burden just gets to be too much sometimes. And if you have no outlet, if you have nowhere to put that energy, then you do end up in situations where you're struggling with depression. You do end up in situations where you're struggling with anxiety. You do end up in situations where you're struggling with fear. You're dealing with all of these things because you're not letting it out. Exactly. And I have a huge smile on my face because I just did a presentation. And one of the things I touched on was self-identity and what that looks like. And I had a a blank outline of the human body. And I said, if you take away all of the titles, right? If you take away all of the titles, who are you? Start identifying yourself by your characteristics, by the attributes, by hobbies. So I am a great listener who loves people, who is athletic, who is fond of music, who loves to swim. So you just took that to a whole nother level. If you can identify who you are, those are your strengths that you can tap into. We call them coping skills that you can tap into when you are faced with adversity, when you're having a rough day, when you feel like choking somebody out. Tap into those. If you don't have that, you lost. Like I know so many women and even men who've been married for so long and they're going through a divorce or they're going through a separation. And one of the things that I hear is I don't even know who I am without him. I don't know who I am without her. I don't even know who I am without being a mom because I invested so much into my children. And now that they are gone, they're out of the house, I'm lost. And it's because. You lost your identity. You have to still hold on to that. Being married, being a mom, and you do it by making sure that you have those self-care tools that you need and balancing that into and working that into everything else that you do. Absolutely. It's critical. Absolutely. It's critical. I love that you said that. Um, I actually call them anchors um, because those characteristics that you just talked about, those hobbies, those things that you love, anchor you to who you are. And I think, you know, in the same way that a ship anchor drops and keeps it in the place that it needs to be, it's the same way that those mechanisms, those coping mechanisms um, that you referred to, they keep you anchored to yourself. They keep you anchored to your true self and who you really are. So it is so important, so, so, so important to have those. Just hearing you say that, like, it hit my heart because 
I feel like we think of life as this static thing, right? And the reality is you're going to reinvent yourself probably a gazillion times (laughs) between now and when you leave this earth, right? And that's where resilience comes in. You need to be resilient enough to pivot and to reinvent yourself as your life changes, right? Because to your point, one day your kids are going to leave home, right? One day you are going to be a certain place in your career. The next day your career is going to change. If you're anchoring yourself to all of these external things, then when those external things leave or when those external things have run their course, what are you left with? You're left with feelings of uncertainty. You're left with feelings of the unknown, right? Being fearful of the unknown because all of these things that you thought were who you are and Lord, please don't anchor yourself to no man. That's just, that's a whole other conversation. But you know, when you anchor yourself to all of these external things, then you're in a position where you're left feeling empty. A few things that I want to hit on that have helped me in my process of self-discovery and just really identifying what some of these things are. Journaling has been really, really helpful for me. When it was first suggested to me, I was like, wait, what? You want me to do what? I got to write every day. I got to sit down. I got to put my feelings on paper. But what I found was that it was easier for me to be honest and vulnerable with myself. And this isn't always the case, right? A lot of times it's harder for people to be vulnerable with themselves, more vulnerable with themselves than it is for them to be with other people. But I didn't feel as much shame. I didn't feel as much anxiety in sitting down and writing out my thoughts about what I was experiencing as I did with sitting down and talking to a therapist or talking to a friend or a family member about it who either didn't know me or I knew because of human nature, you know, my family and friends might judge me. So journaling has been extremely helpful for me. Uh, Another way to refer that is experiential writing. You know, I really, really, really enjoyed that. And that was something that was super helpful for me. Again, I'm going to go back to say get a therapist because, um, you know, while it takes time to find the right therapist, because you want to make sure you vibe with that person, the progress that I have made over the years with having a therapist, especially a good therapist, it has been monumental. Even today, like I feel like I'm in a pretty steady state. I feel like I'm in a pretty content state. I still go to therapy um, because you don't want to give yourself an opportunity to backslide too much. You know, there are going to be things that happen and you want to give yourself grace when those things happen, but you want to do the best that you can to stay ahead of that where possible. You know, I personally also like reading books. There is a book that I'm going to share. Um, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown, but if not Brene Brown, Tarana Burke actually has a book that she wrote with Brene Brown called You Are Your Best Thing. And I really like that because it's an anthology that talks about vulnerability from the perspective of the Black experience. So where you can get your hands on things like that, um, that will help you understand what the application of vulnerability looks like in the Black community and in the lives of others. Those types of things help. And then the fourth thing that I'm just going to say, get a good tribe. I mean, you talked about your best friend. I talked about my best friend. To the extent that you can surround yourself with people who are just as passionate about being better, doing better, having better, being vulnerable, being honest, 
to the extent that you can surround yourself with those types of people, it really does help. One thing that um, I've always heard growing up is iron sharpens iron, right? So you learn vulnerability by seeing vulnerability in other people. Don't beat yourself up because you didn't see that vulnerability coming up as a child. That's okay. Get somebody around you who's vulnerable now, right? Watch them, learn from them, uh, you know, judge by their experience and take what you, what works, right? Because not everything works for everybody, but take what works from that experience and find ways to implement those things in a healthy way in your own life. Those are just a few tips that I would share that, you know, have worked for me, you know, obviously shameless plug. You can also look into programs, educational programs. Um, which is what we do at BW Cultivates that will help you navigate through that. But I want to be clear that the intent of BW Cultivates is to bridge the gap between the self-work and what you need to do with a therapist. It's not in any way meant to replace the work that you need to do with a therapist, right? So, you know, what we do and what we offer is meant to get you to start answering some of those questions that you need to start thinking about upfront. But there is a point in what we do where you will need to sit down and talk to somebody if you feel like you don't get the healing that you need from what we offer. And that is something that, shameless plug again, there's going to be some stuff coming down the line about. We're going to be looking at how we can connect women with Black and Brown therapists down the line. So super excited about that. So listeners, you heard it directly from Brittany. She dropped some gems on us today. I mean, guys. Journaling, therapist, get you a a good support system and do not be afraid to learn new things, right? And find somebody who may be different from you, right? Learn from that person, invest into yourself and don't be afraid to be vulnerable just because you didn't learn it in your childhood. Because guess what? Today is a new day. And you can always start fresh. So, Brittany, if someone wants to reach you, wants to learn more about BW Cultivates, want to join BW Cultivates, how can they reach you? Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so you can definitely follow us on social media. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at BW Cultivates. Um, you can check out our website, www.bwcultivates.com. That's BWC. U-L-T-I-V-A-T-E-S dot com. Shameless plug again. We are going to be gearing up uh, for our 60-day program coming in January 2022. And we are going to be having early enrollment pretty soon. So please check us out and please follow us. All right. There you have it, listeners. Thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices Podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.